You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Joining you, as always, is me, Gandalf, Matt, and Nathan Van Horn, soon to be N.W. Van Horn, (laughs) one day. (laughs) And before we get started, reminding you, listener, that if you're not already, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. We always like it when you do that, and you'll like it, too, when you get a notification every Tuesday morning. And if you have a little extra time, uh, if you're not driving or working or doing something you're supposed to be doing, Maybe check out our uh, newly revamped website, betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com, and you'll see very prominently featured there a section where you can send us a message. And we love getting those messages. So and not again, only our newly uh, revamped website, but finally on Apple Podcast, finally has our updated logo, even though oh, Spotify yeah. has borne our updated logo for a long time now. hey oh Yeah, you don't, you don't even want to know the, the pain... And the struggle, I think it's, it's literally been like four or five months that I've been trying to get the, the, um, current logo on Apple podcasts. Uh, if you actually, guys, do you remember a few months ago where I was counting down of when there would be a back end change and then people who were subscribed to third party platforms might need to resubscribe. All of that was trying to get the logo changed. Right. And that was like step one of a five-step process that Apple demanded that I do before mm. m- before making me whole and uh, make doing doing what's right and so putting true. the right logo up. But, gentlemen, I'm glad that you guys can be here today. It's It, it feels good to have a three-man podcast. Yes. We've, been, we've, been, we've been good for the past couple of times, but um, I always say that um, the best two-man podcast is better than the weakest three-man podcast. Mm-hmm. So true. And I was remind, and I was reminded. I was humbled. Even I was looking at our metrics just the other day, and I wanted to know what is our least popular podcast. And lo and behold, it was the one where it was just me. <laughs> that is that is our least popular podcast. Yeah, but that was it. Wasn't a real episode. It was a. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was a. It was, it was a, a non-episode no, podcast. It's it's right. It wasn't yeah. a real episode. We didn't cover any any topics. But sometimes you just need to be humbled, and that mm. was me. <laughs> So, well, all that being said, where are we going today? Uh, we are um, going back to Genesis 24 and to the old country. <laughs> that's mm. right. Oh, so true. That, that's a good little reference there. Um, it, more importantly, where where is Eliezer going? That's I was literally just about <laughs> to ask that. I was like, well, yeah, where is he going? Well, not, nothing scandalous like uh, like last week. Like yeah, hand on the thigh, or no, hand under the thigh. Let's, that's let's right. Me, Get my words right. But uh, we're going to be in Genesis 24, 10 through 21. And that's um, just a little bit of a reading trek there. But uh, oh boy, who would like to read? <laughs> no takers. Does that mean I'll, me? I'll, I'll, it can't be you. I mean, I'm happy to do it. 
Normally, if uh, normally I guess on whether I'm reading by the number of names in the passage. That's right. We'll we'll let our uh, our language guy read those hard ones. So I I will read Genesis twenty four ten through twenty one. Is that Go cool? For it. Yeah, that's cool with me. All right, as always, coming from the English Standard Version. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, Please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman, to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar, that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Ooh, that makes me think of something there. Continuing. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Good word. Yeah, well it done. It is a good word. Well done. Uh, you know, b- before we get started, um, yesterday, from our perspective, yesterday, Matt, we you like read a long section of scripture during our Sunday night. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm just reminded how how good it is to sometimes just read large sections of the Bible. It's beautiful, Unint- uninterrupted. Yes, it really is. Take a take a break from just the, the verse by verse nature of reading. Keep keep in mind the Bible is meant to be heard aloud, not to be read. Primarily, it is to be read aloud. That's the way it was given in the format it was given. It was written mm. down to be read aloud. That is not to say we're not to read the Bible. Don't. 
but it is meant to be read aloud in the presence of others. Well, and that's uh, by the way, I mean, that's default of reading to the ancient world. You know what that's I'm right. saying? Like, absolutely. I can I cannot remember the source, but you have essentially two Roman speakers uh, going back and forth with each other, and they're marveling that a friend of theirs can read without saying the words out loud. Like that, mm. you, that guy can read without without vocalizing. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> because the good. default, the default was you you wrote for something to be read aloud and so and by the way and so much you know sometimes we'll have an insight in the podcast mm-hmm. um in real time right right um yeah. and it will and it will come from that component it's sometimes yes. you sometimes you have to hear it out loud to catch something that is right there in the text uh that um, that actually happened a second ago when i was reading i well there I you caught, go i caught something that i i just read this passage a few minutes ago quietly to myself but I caught something that uh, I did not catch before. We kind of had a, a direction that we were going to go with this podcast. It's not necessarily uh, from the direction. It actually leaned into last week's podcast, so I'll say it really quick. We marveled last week at the faith of Abraham. Like, this is the guy that lied not once but twice about Sarah being his sister because mm. of a seeming lack of faith of independence upon God to deliver him when he was in the the land of potential enemies. But then last week we talked about now he, here he is taking an oath with his servant being so confident that he's swearing on grandchildren that don't exist, uh, that will only exist if the servant is successful in fulfilling the oath. And then the week or two weeks before that, talking about Mount Moriah, of Abraham being so confident that God was literally able to raise Isaac from the dead, the whole character development. And the thing that blessed me here when I was reading this aloud is that character development never occurs in a vacuum, is that the same confidence that Abraham has has also spilled over into the life of his servant, Mm. who now exhibits in verse number 12, and he said, O Lord, God of my master, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master. And then he gives this instruction um, and look at the end of verse 14. By this, I shall know that you have sworn steadfast love to my master. That is not a test. That is confidence. And that that, that is Abraham language. Yeah, even the steadfast love there is kessed. Like it's, Mm. that's that covenantal word that you just see in so many places in the old Testament. Mm. That's so, it's so good that the character development never occurs in a vacuum that Abraham's development as a man also contributed to Eliezer, presumably Eliezer, his development as a man as well. Yeah. And, and, and well, and to the point of this, um, it's not just what's happening in this passage, it's where it's happening. <laughs> uh, yes, I love that. Um, where uh, do you see this happening, Gandalf? Like, where is this thing going down? It's going down at a well. Uh, that, that, that immediately jumped out at me. I was like, a lot of things go down at wells. So from the many years of Sunday school and the many years of Bible reading that you have participated in. And the, and the couple of years of Better Than Fiction Bible podcast that's right. at this point. <laughs> What what is so significant about wells? Uh, 
they're places where you get water mm-hmm. where normally you can't get mm-hmm. water. It's nobody builds a well by a river. Oh, that's, that's good. That's it. Oh, I love, I love that. that. I love I that. I love that. Yes. Where by do you the way, put a well? In the middle of the desert. That's right. That's it. So it's it's a place of provision where there's not provision. And by the way, I, th- I think the passage highlights that. Um, and I, I, listeners, I hope your mind is already going to some of the key rivers and wells scenes that we've already talked about and maybe even anticipated in previous episodes. Um, but go back to verse 10 for a second. You see a certain word there for the first time, and it's not even in every translation. Um, but you see, uh, it's in Hebrew, it's Aram Naharayim. Uh, but uh, it's translated in the ESV as Mesopotamia, right? Mm. What what does Mesopotamia in Greek or Aram Naharayim in Hebrew mean? Literally. Mm. I don't know. The land between the rivers. Um, so, it, so this brand of butter, <laughs> that's land of lakes, <laughs> buddy. Br- oh, did you say brand of butter or brand of water? <laughs> yeah. oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, is it butter or is it margarine? By the way, I don't know. <laughs> I can't believe it's not Mesopotamia. I can't believe it's not either. Um, I can't believe we digress so easily. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they're at a well in a land in between, in between, in other words, to your point, you don't you don't dig a well by the river. It's it's an otherwise wilderness setting, and there's a provision there. And again, like let's let's talk about that in the flow of things. Like we have followed the story to Matt's point of the development of the Abraham story, both externally how God is working to provide the promised heir in Isaac and to secure the promised heir Isaac at Mount Moriah but also internally in developing Abraham's faith. Now, Abraham has placed great faith in his servant, possibly, presumably, Eleazar, to go and secure the other part of passing this covenant forward. Like, yea, that we have Isaac, but you can't have the next generation with just Isaac. That's right. You have to have a wife for Isaac. You have to have that coupled partner. But, and, and by the way, don't miss the Genesis connection, right? Right. <laughs> dust dust and water. He's mm. um, uh, Matt, unpack that because you, you do this better than I do. Um, yeah. So one of the things that we way back when, if you're a faithful listener, and it's hard to believe, isn't this one at 117? 117. That's it's correct. unbelievable that we're that far along and still only in Genesis 24. But... <laughs> That's neither here nor there. picking up steam. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked, I could, I don't remember what episode it was, but way back when man was formed of the dust of the ground and then he was placed in the garden and Mm -hmm. the garden, if you remember, we talked about mountain garden springs that flow down to water the whole earth. That was the imagery given. And it's interesting that woman is given as a provision for the incompleteness of man as a creation. Um, And so God creates woman, but rather than making her from the dust in the wilderness, he makes woman from the man in the garden, in the place 
that is well watered. And I think that that's symbolic of what woman was initially created to be is as a provision of God's providence to complete his creation. I don't want to, don't take what I'm saying to say that the only re reason woman exists is because of man. Um, I, I think it's bigger than that. Yes, God made man a helper, but Genesis 1 points out that both male and female are made in the image of God. It was God's intention is so much bigger than just, well, um, just making man a helpmate, but completing his image in yeah, humanity and, through male and, and some female. of the, some of the ways that you know that uh, Hebrew word Aitzer for helpmate. Mm -hmm. uh, when some of the ways it's used when it's not referring to women, like my favorite example is First Samuel yeah. seven when they're bringing the ark home and they have a worship service and the Philistines are like, "Hey, they're worshiping. They're unarmed. Now would be a good time to slaughter them." And God delivers His people. Uh, and routes the Philistines, uh, you know, with heavy casualties. And uh, Samuel very famously lifts up the stone of help, the Eben Etzer. He he doesn't mean, oh yeah, we would have been okay without this. He's like, no, without the Lord's help, we would have been wiped out today. So this is this mm, is a help. This is help. That's right. That gives you a quality or quantity of life that you can't have without that help. In other words, it's it's not a secondary designation. So there is an early linking between the place of water or where water is available and woman uh, in the Garden of Eden. And we see this over and over again. Bier uh, Lahai Roy, I think uh, one of you all mentioned that a few minutes ago. Yeah, it's referenced uh, at the end of the chapter. That's where Hagar meets um, at the well meets the angel of God. Uh, well of the living one who sees me. And again, again, let's let's capture this. God God is named by Hagar before he's named by Abraham. I know. Like it, God mm. God is called the living one who sees me before Abraham has the Genesis twenty two, the Lord will provide literally Yahweh Yire, the Lord will see to it. It happens with a woman who is provided for at a well. Like if you see a well in a woman, something is going down, is what I'm telling you. And it's speaking to God's provision. So I want to press into what Gandalf said a few minutes ago, is that in the desert or in the wilderness, water is immensely valuable. It reminds me of the often referenced on this podcast, the best biblical movie, <laughs> Prince of Egypt. There's a, there's a song in there. That song, and one of the lines says, uh, a lake of gold in the desert sand is less than a cool, fresh spring. Oh, I love yeah. that. Oh, yeah, you're talking about Heaven's Eyes, where Jethro's yes. singing. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I love that. It is also um, reminded us earlier, I don't think we were recording just yet, but we were talking about the most recent Avatar movie. The Way of Water. Oh. Uh, correction, y'all were talking about the most recent Avatar. Have you movie. not seen it yet? Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Fern Gully in space. The, the, the same thing. Uh, the same thing. It's it's the same narrative over and over. Uh, but the, the, there is a common narrative here, both in like literature, movies, you know, pop culture, but also in real life, right? Like, mm. uh, you have that whole narrative of 
finding other habitable planets in our you know solar system where do we mm -hmm. go we go to mars but it's not enough to get to mars what do you have to find on mars you have to find water you mm -hmm. gotta find water water is provision oh, water is life i read i read a little anecdote on twitter this just this morning where it was where they were saying that if you take the whole of the universe into account a blade of grass is far far more rare than diamonds mm -hmm. and so that, that if you kind of transpose that to water which i guess it's it i guess it occurs to me that if you're talking about a story that was uh written to middle easterners living in desert climate yeah this this land role of water is is big yeah this lands differently in the middle east in ancient times than it does in the south like we've been we've been barraged by rain recently uh mm -hmm. and it, it lands different it lands differently when it's you know arid and dry most of the time and that water is crucial um, well i'm even thinking of early in the podcast we talked about the importance of water imagery in the creation story like even in non-consumption ways, water is super important. Well, yeah, and 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 again, the covenantal thing that we've talked about, water moving from creation to covenant, how water becomes a redemptive symbol, a symbol for God's provision of His people. One thing that we say so often is, you know, uh, reading Genesis aloud. Since Matt mentioned that, reading Genesis while you're living the Exodus, right? They come out right. of Egypt through the waters. They will enter the Promised Land through the waters, but in the meantime, they traverse through the wilderness. Desert, the wilderness. And one one of the greatest signs of God's immediate day-after-day -day provision in pursuit of the ultimate purposes is God giving them water from sources that should not give them water. Uh, water from a rock, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, uh, that's immediately what I was thinking of, is uh, the, water the, from rock. There, there's not a river that you can trace from Egypt to the Promised Land. You can't follow a river. You need water from a rock. It also um, just reminds me of like these make Jesus's words in the Gospel of John very meaningful. I am the water of life and living like water. At, and by the way, living water. And and what does Jesus do in John chapter four? He meets a woman at a well. Woman at a well. Yeah. Mm. Son of a gun. Um. Yeah. And I I want to hit on uh. You know. Uh, because this will come back into play with David uh, and the census is one of the things that I'm talking about. I, th I think they're, I think we're building something beyond what we've discussed or even necessarily reflected on. This needs more time to marinate. Uh, Gandalf, to your point of if you take the whole universe into consideration, a, a blade of of a blade of grass is more valuable than a diamond because it's a scarcer resource in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. um, notice how this is framed up. Uh, Abraham is sending his servant back to the to the far country, to the homeland, right, to get a suitable wife for Isaac. But you also have to show that Isaac is a suitable husband for this girl that you're going to try to take from her family or hope that her family sends with you, rather. Um, and how is, how is the suitability of Isaac, whom she and they have never met, how is that communicated? But her, I mean, her, willing, her willingness to give water. No, 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 not, not, her, not her suitability. How is oh. Isaac's suitability? Like, what do they show to say, hey, this would be a good marriage for your daughter? Abraham sends his servant with what? A demonstration of wealth. Mm -hmm. Ten camels, right? But hey, what are ten camels worth if they're not watered? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Not so much. it was interesting when you were talking earlier, I was thinking like if I were to ask my four-year-old, so why did this man t- ride camels and not horses? My four-year-old could say, well, because camels can go a long time without water because mm-hmm. camels can make it to the next well, whereas sometimes horses can't. Mm-hmm. So it's just a reminder of how important wells are. In, in the ancient world, Eleazar was rolling up with like 10 Lamborghinis. <laughs> well, and, and I just love it, you know, go, going back to the fact that Bihar, uh, Bihar Lahai Rui is mentioned at the end of this passage. Um, uh, the well is not just a type scene of God's faithfulness to Hagar and Ishmael. The well will be a, a type scene of God's faithfulness to Abraham and his descendants as well. Yeah. Mm. Also, so I didn't want to make a well pun there. Also, <laughs> <laughs> so two T O O. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me as well something that I uh, heard recently is how water is meaningful to a Bedouin culture, so to speak, that's wandering around in the wilderness. Um, do you all know what? Sharia law means like we. Well, that Sharia took a turn. Is, that took yeah. a turn. I, yeah, this this went crazy real quick. Right. I don't, Matt. Well, I don't like, know what it means. No, I, I I know we know that Sharia law is is essentially the Islamic Torah. It mm. it is is it is it is Islamic law given to Muslims. Um, but do you all know what Sharia means? So I don't. I recently learned this, and it means the path to water. Ah, so where, where was Islam founded in the desert in Arabia? And if you're founding a religion in a desert and the religion is to provide salvation, what would Mm. exemplify salvation more than water? Mm. So I, I think, you know, even though the wilderness is not the desert, Certainly the Negev, uh, certainly the uh, the wilderness associated with, you know, ancient Canaan is not ancient Arabia. Uh, those are two very different climates. But, but still, I think there's something there for helping us understand the picture that's given well, here. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this is a point uh, I, I return to probably not enough since Genesis 4. Um you see it in Cain and Abel's sacrifices. You have these little gestures that the God of the garden, where the rivers are flowing, is mm-hmm. is integrally involved in this story because he provides outside of the garden. Ah, yeah. I um, and I, I think the well and I think water imagery, you know, moving forward through scripture will will be a key way to capture that. It, you know, it's going to the woman in the well in John 4. Uh, you know, and think about what we talked about with cities, with Cain's family, with uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah. No, you have to come out of the city <laughs> mm. to go to the well. Um, uh, I don't want to overread this, and I, I really want to let this marinate longer. But man, there's just so much here. Like if you read, look how much the water component is stressed. I mean, we're not there yet in the chapter, but just go down to verse 43 for example and this is all through the passage so i don't know why i picked for- verse 43 behold i am standing by the spring of water let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom i shall say please give me a little water from your jar to drink 
and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your kid. You see how like, it's, it's, it's going out of its way to stress provision where there would not be provision. God, mm-hmm. God has been working on the Isaac side of the equation, but God is also working to provide provision that would not be there outside of the work of God in the form of Rebecca. And they do it in the land between the rivers, a land where there's not water, but son of a gun, there's a well. So it's, I want to say one more thing here. You just triggered something is we talked early on Genesis one, that the waters divided, that God was hovering over were waters of chaos. But Mm -hmm. in Genesis two, we're introduced to springs of water that were bringing life to the garden. And when you said the word behold, I immediately went to the very last commentary we have on salvation in the entire Bible. It's Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price like this picture of water and provision goes all the way to the end i love that Mm. i'm gonna add water to i'm gonna add water now to my list of things to look out for i'll put it right next to trees bread (laughs) trees mountains bread mountains meals i I would be (laughs) i would be eager to see the better than fiction bible pod class like word cloud or like (laughs) Uh, you know, word bubble. It's funny you say that. We literally just changed our logo from the word the cloud. The word cloud. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> mm. But you know what you should pay attention to? Ayo. The Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. Indeed. And just like a camel brings water wherever it goes, you should bring the podcast wherever you go by subscribing. That way it's always on your phone and you will always have a notification um, every Tuesday morning when we release another 30 minutes talking about this narrative together Mm -hmm. so listener please do that not just for our sake and the sake of getting more people to come but also for your sake that way we can all benefit together and until then you guys have a great week see you next time shalom good job excellent episode i loved it i loved it i loved it